When you hear the word church, what images come to mind? An old stone building in a quiet leafy suburb? A group of men in robes and funny hats counting up donations in a back room? Or a black gospel choir raising their hands and shouting hallelujah? Let's cut through the preconceptions and misconceptions and work it out together. What is church, really? This is Signs of the Times Radio with Kent Kingston. Hey, it's great to have you here with us for another week of Signs of the Times Radio. I am in the bowels of the Sydney Adventist Hospital in Warunga, which is the temporary offices of the Greater Sydney Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And I'm here with the president of the Greater Sydney Conference of Seventh-day Adventists, Pastor Terry Johnson. How are you, Terry? Yeah, thank you, Kent. Doing very well, thank you, and in enjoying having this opportunity to talk to the audience and to share a little bit about what is church and why church exists. Okay, so for those of our listeners who aren't necessarily aware of what the Seventh-day Adventist Church is doing in the Sydney region, can you just give us a little bit of an idea of the scale and scope of what's involved here? Yeah, look, we have 105 churches in the Sydney area, uh, representing about 10,000 attending members. And we have seven schools that we actually function and run, and there are three aged care uh, facilities that we run. But more important than that, because all of those are kind of institutional aspects, is what we actually do in the community. And church exists for the community, even though quite often church can be insular. And so one of the challenges that we have with church is to keep reminding them that we're not a sports club, you know, because people want to come, they pay their dues, they're part of the uh, of the environment, they get to listen to a program, there's often meals that they eat together, and there's a lot of joy in that. But they, they need to recognize that church is not about that. Church is actually about sharing the good that's been in their life with people that are not even their friends and engaging with people who are needing support and encouragement. That's great. That's a that's a great summing up, Terry. I really appreciate that. And it fits really well with an article we have featured in this month's Signs of the Times magazine that is looking at a cafe church uh, right here in Sydney in Redfern, which has obviously you know, historically been one of the more sort of struggling areas of Sydney, although it's sort of gentrifying a, a little now. Can you tell us a little bit about that particular initiative in, in Redfern? Yeah, thank you, Kent. Redfern is a very interesting place. It has a long history with our Aboriginal community, and we as the Seventh Avenue Church, as well as the Anglican and a couple of other churches have had a very long history of engagement in that area. And a few years ago, our church headquarters here decided that we wanted to put more time and effort into connecting with the community. We were there kind of in a haphazard manner before. There was a small group of people who were like-minded who would worship together, you know, come together for fellowship, but there really wasn't much engagement on a day-to-day basis. And so out of that conversation, there was a gentleman by the name of Ted who was very engaged over 20 years of ministry in that area, and he said, look, we need to have a physical presence. Uh, And to have a physical presence meant that we needed to purchase a property. And those of you who know Sydney recognize that Redfern, even though it is a tough place, 
the gentrification has meant that a significant amount of money had to be spent. And so we decided that we would try and do something called a center of influence. So instead of saying that we were going to start a church, we were going to actually put in Redfern a shop front where people could come and gain all kinds of different services. And the church decided from across the conference, all 105 churches, that they would put money towards it and purchased a shop on Cleveland Street that we turned into a meeting area, that we turned into a place where people could come and get support. And so that center of influence now has a cafe that runs in the morning where a significant amount of people come in. It's free of charge. You donate if you wish to donate, but most of the the coffee and the, the milk that goes along with it has come from Aldi and a couple of other s- centers who are really interested in connecting with the community in this way. Donated for free. Donated for free, exactly. The minister in charge, his name is Bees, but it's Bernard Diorgi. He has made some really good connections with local businesses. They've recognized what an impact the community center is having, and they've been willing to actually donate in order to make some kind of a contribution to the community. Well, that that has actually been the catalyst for a number of other programs that have developed over the course of uh, several years. There is now a Monday and Saturday food bank where up to 100 people will actually come and receive uh, parcels of food to help them over the course of the week. There is now a counseling center with the University of Western Sydney that is out of that particular center of influence. There is a training environment where if you want to get upskilled in IT and, and computers, you can come and there are individuals there who will help you understand how to function in that digital media environment. Mm-hmm. and. Further to that, there is an opportunity on Saturdays to come together in what we call The Way, which is a church aimed at the community in the area, and quite a number of the residents around are attending. So we have between 80 and 100 people who attend there on Saturday afternoons. Mm-hmm. Wow. I've, I've actually been there, uh, and I've seen it. It's, I mean, if you would walk past on the street, you wouldn't think that's a church. Like it's just a normal looking, you know, office sort of building. You go inside, it's just plastic chairs in a, in a room. It doesn't sort of have a churchy sort of feel about it. Is the way a real church or is it just really a community centre? Yeah, it's a very good question, Kent. And the answer is that we were deliberately trying to ensure that we weren't looking like a classic church. We wanted to have the environment that was comfortable for people to walk in and sit down and ask the tough questions. Why do I even need to have any kind of connection with the spiritual? But most of them, when they're coming in, aren't looking for those philosophical answers. They're looking for their daily bread. They're looking for what am I going to do to survive till tomorrow? How am I going to deal with the addictions that I'm currently experiencing? What about the physical abuse that I'm having in my family? How do I have some counseling to go through that? The existential questions come at a later date when they're looking at things and going, okay, you've taken care of my daily needs, but why are you doing that? You know, what do you get out of this? And of course, everybody who's a volunteer there, the only thing that they get out of it is a sense of well-being that they've actually been engaged with people. They've been able to share of their wealth, of time and of money, of resource, and connect in a way that is on a very deep level of human 
care, right? So the empathy that we have with one another, this desire for us to actually be engaged with other people's lives and to fellowship without feeling superior, without feeling like, oh man, you know, I'm pretty lucky compared to them. That's really important. So those, uh, we have churches from all across Sydney who actually come to Redfern and they donate their time on Saturdays in particular, but on Monday nights as well connecting with the community, helping with food parcels, cooking food at the same time, answering questions, and generally just making contacts. Mm-hmm. Wow. I think probably the the cynical uh, among our listeners might be thinking, isn't this just all a bit of a ploy to sort of hook people in, you know, vulnerable people, help them with their needs? and then, you know, hit them over the head with the Bible, you know, is, isn't this just a tricky way to, to proselytize and to, and to spread your, your religion? You know, is, is it really helping people or is it helping people with an agenda? You, you know what I mean? I think that's a, also a very fair question, and it's, it's something that we always have to keep an eye on. You know, what's our motivation? From a biblical point of view, our motivation is that Jesus wanted to be in the center of areas where people were struggling with life. So we want to be there, not to bash them over the head, not to bring them into church. There's no compulsion for them to actually come and attend our church. We don't uh, have any caveats. We don't have any strings attached. If they ask questions, we tell them straight up who we are. And there's signs on the building that actually say that this is a Seventh-day Adventist center of influence. So there's no a sense of us trying to hide behind this non-traditional church environment. It's quite the opposite. It's the fact that we're actually being the hands and feet of Jesus no matter what the end result is. If they want to come in and have a conversation, happy to have the conversation. We're not there to proselytize. We're there to share why we have joy in our hearts. We're there to share why we have purpose and we have satisfaction in life. And I think that comes through with the joy that uh, people have on their faces. You know, the laughter that happens in that center. The volunteers that I've met are quite often young adults. And they themselves are going through a difficult time because they're usually at university, at the University of Sydney or at UNSW, UTS, and so on. And and so they know how difficult it is to live in Sydney, trying to survive, paying for school fees, and still finding a place that's safe for them. And this really gives them that opportunity. The cafe in particular has been a place, a gathering place, where a lot of young people will actually come and sit and chat over the course of the day. And really big kudos to Bees, uh, the, the center manager there, who had that vision and decided to follow through with it. And really at quite a lot of personal expense because it has meant a significant outlay of time on his part. But mm. the benefits have been a very strong community that has developed around Redfern the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, at that does uh, that makes a lot, lot of sense, Terry. Some people, though, I guess might sort of think, okay, well, you've got, you know, St. Mary's Cathedral in the middle of Sydney, and then you've got this, you know, little community centre out in Redfern, and we use the word church to describe both of those. I mean, is that even, like, when, when it becomes that broad, does it become just a meaningless term? And what, what is a real church? What, what does the word mean anyway? Yeah, that's a that's a very good a question and probably an indictment on us as a society because when it comes to the understanding of church, most of us have got a very westernized understanding of church. And church is a building, church is a, a series of worship rituals, 
so that's what we've become associated with church. Mm. And the other part of it is that church has now become kind of a consumer sport, right? So mm. people will mm. actually come to church and sit and listen to the pastor. If they like the sermon, they stay. If they don't like the sermon, they go to the next church. There doesn't seem to be any kind of transformation of personal engagement. A- and church in the Old Testament sense and the New Testament sense was was this understanding of a fellowship of people who came together to care for the needs of people in the community. And they shared all of what they had. So it wasn't just about the fact that they came together to worship. Yes, that was part of it. They wanted to worship together and sing songs of praise and encourage one another. They wanted to hear each other's perspectives on what the Bible was saying. And, and they would argue and they would disagree and they would argue the toss, really. But at, at this point in time, they would then also say, well, that's only part of what it means to be church. Church is a gathering of people who are looking out for the welfare within the community and also of the welfare of the people that surround the community. And in many ways, what church has become since about the 10th century, so over the last thousand years, is a church that's actually dependent on ministers and the rituals of church to feel like you're a part of a broader spectrum. I think that what God is really pushing is a church that is not consumer, but is actually giving, right? So we call it stewardship. And stewardship is about managing my time, my resources, and giving back as much as I'm receiving and more. And by doing that, I'm actually gaining not something financial, but a sense of blessing, a sense of peace about my engagement in that area that I won't get simply by trying to accumulate enough material possessions to make me feel like I've won at the end of my life. You never hear a person on their deathbed saying, boy, I wish I had more. What you hear them saying is, I wish that I had a better relationship. I wish that I, I had more communion. I had more fellowship. And by by focusing on that, we end up with a church that actually is more in line with what Christ wanted and less in line with what the Western ideal mm. of consumer uh, mentality is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting what you say. You know how how church can go wrong and and how it has gone wrong over over quite a while. But obviously, it's it's still going right in a lot of ways too. You know, when when we see people you know reaching out to the community in in such a positive way. Um, some people will say you know the age of the church is is over and it's but really. I don't think it's quite that simple. You know, Australia is supposed to be a sporting nation, but there are actually more people in church of a weekend than in sport. You know, churches still have power and influence. What would you say is a good way for churches to use that influence? I mean, do they even recognize they have it in the first place? It's a, I tell you what, I think one of the challenges the church has is is to recognize how much power and authority that they do have and the influence that they have unduly at times on politicians. And so we've got to be very careful in how we engage. I find it important to, to look at the life of Jesus and to recognize that Jesus often did not have much to do with politicians, but had more to do with where society was dealing in its, in its worst environs. And when you're looking at what Scripture says, Scripture seems to indicate that true disciples of Jesus are the ones who are caring for those who are experiencing oppression, who are finding themselves in unjust environments. And and more than that, 
they're looking at the foreigners within our gates. You know, who are the people that have come because they're refugees from overseas? I mean, we actually sing it in our national anthem, you know, for those who come from overseas, we're actually going to take care of you. Mm, we've boundless planes to share. Yeah, yeah. boundless planes to share. We've mm. got all this good, and yet at the same time, we feel like hoarding all of it. So the challenge for Christians is to accept the reality of what we're living in, but not to say that's okay, but to actually f focus on it by engaging in the community in ways that actually have meaning and bring about transformation of people's lives. God is calling us to meet people where they're at and not to try and make them into my image, but mm. to actually remind us that they were made in God's image. Mm. And so from the moment that you recognize that they're made in God's image, how they smell, how they look, what they're dealing with, you know, if they're, if they're struggling with addictions that don't bother me, am I willing to sit next to them in a worship service and sing at the top of my voice in harmony or not in harmony <laughs> and still realize that they're my brother, they're my sister in Christ because they were made in the image of, of God. And that is at the center of the philosophy of church. Is it fair to say that church has sometimes missed out on that? Yes, I think it is. Because we are human beings, and as human beings, we're into status. We're into where does my church fit? You know, what authority and power do I have? And it, and it can be confronting uh, to realize that um, we may just be exactly like society around us. So when we go to these environments and try and be involved in the center of management, you know, center of influence, we're doing it to remind ourselves of where all of us as human beings stand and that God loves us irrespective of our culture, our status, our language, our education, our financial ability. None of that really matters to Jesus. What matters to him is, are you willing to surrender to me and follow me? And if I take you in a path that you had never thought about, will that path be satisfactory to you? And the answer in terms of a Christian's understanding of surrender is, yes, Lord, I'm very happy to move in that direction, even though it may cost me everything. Mm -hmm. That's why we need to have centers like this. And across Sydney, we've got 15 different food banks of, of churches. Now, yeah, I was, I was going to ask you about that because obviously the Redfern example is, is one, but are there other, you know, creative ways that you see, you know, Christians being the church, you know, whether it's here in Sydney, yeah. you know, amongst, you know, your, your uh, denomination or, or whether it's, you know, worldwide or, yeah, what's, what's, what sort of creative things are Christians getting up to when it, comes to you know being the church in in their communities in perhaps ways we wouldn't expect yeah look very very important to actually reflect on uh, we have in blacktown a center of counseling so in blacktown where there is where the judge actually has to make decisions about an individual who may have been involved in anger issues where we provide anger management again no strings attached free of charge and it's it's those areas that we say hey mate we recognize that this is your challenge. I've got challenges in other areas. Let me journey with you. And we have qualified counselors who actually come and, and volunteer their time and engage with, with them. And across our churches, there are 15 different churches that actually are open as food banks. But we don't want to be there to just provide them with something that can be considered welfare. This is an opportunity for us to engage and say, hey, you know, what can we do to actually support you so that you don't have to be dependent on this, mm. right? And what makes it even more contemporary is that since COVID has occurred, we now have a significant number of Australians who are actually out of a job, and yet they still have very high mortgages to pay. They have bills on their vehicles. They've got 
Telstra costs on their mobile phones and all the other tech that we need in today's society. Mm. And so we're finding that middle class and upper middle class human beings in Australia are struggling with the current economy and they're not sure where it's going to go. And they're showing up on Mondays and and Wednesdays and Fridays to get extra food because they're not sure how much how they're going to be able to take care of their children over the course of the weekend they don't have enough money to go to the grocery to purchase mm. so in, in some ways being the church means being flexible and being responsive to the needs that the community around them is facing at that time yeah that's right and that again takes us away from the consumer mentality we tend to come to church because we like a particular worship service we like a particular uh, preacher or we like a particular group of people mm. but what church is about is to look around at the community and say what does the community need and how can we with skills, the time, the money, the gifts that we have be able to engage with that community and do it in such a way that there are no strings attached, there's no need for them to come and attend our church. If they want to ask questions, brilliant, we're happy to give answers from a spiritual point of view, but that's not the point. The point is actually to be engaged to offset our consumer mentality. Mm-hmm. Terry, I'd I just like to uh, just to finish, I guess, by looking at three aspects of church that perhaps, I don't know, it seems that people in in our community need, and and those are the the areas of social connection, the need to serve, and also spirituality. So can can we take those one at a time? I mean, you mentioned COVID before, and it seems that people are realising, you know, more than ever, that people need people. You know, we've got people who've been in lockdown, sitting home, feeling depressed, realising how terrible isolation can be and I think the fastest growing type of household in Australia right now is single person households. So what can church, you know, this old fashioned solution, you know, offer to people in in isolation? Look, loneliness is the biggest issue that Australia is actually faced with and you're absolutely right. The fastest growing group is single person households and that's just exacerbating this whole loneliness epidemic that we're dealing with and loneliness really begets more mental health issues and, of course, suicidal tendencies. There's a significant amount of that. What church fellowship does is it allows people from a ver- from various groups, various cultures and backgrounds to actually come in a multicultural environment and journey together. You can actually share your struggles. You can share your problems in a non-judgmental manner at its best at its best. Of course, human beings sometimes are at their worst. But at its best, a church is exactly that. A group of people from all over who come together with a common cause, and the common cause is to help others. And in helping others, forget about some of the pain that they're going through. And when you forget some of that pain, you actually develop resilience. And Mm. at the end of the day, resilience is probably the most vital thing that we're trying to teach our children in schools, our society as a whole. You know, resilience has become a multi-billion dollar enterprise in Australia where um, consultants are coming and trying to teach people on how to be resilient. Well, you become resilient when you actually see other people's stories and you start to realize that your life is really not as bad as you thought it was. Mm -hmm. And then when you're engaging with them and you're helping, you start to also realize that they're giving you something that you didn't know you needed, which is a sense of connection and a sense of, hey, I don't need all the stuff that I have in my life because these individuals who may not have that much stuff are actually oftentimes more happy, less lonely than I am when I'm surrounded by all this technology and these gadgetries. It's, it's interesting that even in this environment where church has been closed, members from churches have actually come together in online forums 
and mm. they have not come for traditional worship. They've come to chat. They've come to talk. They've come to pray together. And and we've actually experienced a fourfold growth in our church as a result. On any given Saturday before COVID, we had 6,700 people attending churches in Sydney, between 67 and 10,000. And since then, we've had 25,000 people attending our online churches. Mm. You know, they may not be there right at the same time. They're streaming at a different times. They're getting that same kind of value. And what we're seeing is a desire from them to come back together to fellowship so that the loneliness can actually dissipate, but really to do something. There, there is a sense in us as human beings of wanting to be a part of something bigger. You, I guess uh, one way to interpret what, what you've just said is, is to say that, well, you know, if someone is listening to this and thinking, you know, I'd like to get involved in a church, but what you're saying seems to be, hey, here are some things to look out for. Look for a group of people who will welcome you despite your differences, you know, to some of them. Look for a church that cares for its community and was is outward looking, not just inward looking to its own issues and, and priorities. Look for a church that has a sense of social connection and where where the members in that church support one another. The final thing, I guess, that is sort of the obvious thing really is that a lot of people are asking spiritual questions. They're wondering about spiritual practices. You know, how do I get how do I get a closer sense of, of who God is and, and, and can I actually connect with God? You know, what's all this Bible stuff about, you know, can I get someone to explain it to me? Is church a good place to go to in terms of learning spiritual practices and learning how to connect with God, learning about, you know, what, what the Bible says and, and doesn't say? Hmm. That's, that's actually a, a difficult question because the answer is yes and no. The answer is yes that if you come to a church environment, you're going to learn simply through practice and, and osmosis of actually being involved in a church. Mm. And you're seeing what people are doing and you also connect with their testimony, you know, what they share. But the answer is really no, because at the end of the day, it's about your personal journey with God, your personal connection with God is always going to be about you and God. And no matter what I say to you, Kent, it's not going to have any impact on you until you actually mm. experience existentially God himself. Okay, so f- from a spiritual point of view, then a lot of people are saying, I don't need a church. I can be spiritual by myself down in the bush, you know, down in the park, in the in the ocean on my surfboard. You know, that's where I get my sense of spiritual connection. So in terms of spirituality, I mean, I mean, you've mentioned you just sort of catch it from, from osmosis, but is there any other benefit from in spiritually and meeting with other people? So you're absolutely right that you can get that kind of spirituality on your own at the beach and so on. But there is something that actually comes from worshipping in a group that you cannot get on your own, and that is the sense of belonging, the sense of believing something that other people believe as well. And in, in Christian terminology, it's called belonging to the body of Christ. And this understanding of belonging to the body of Christ is not a singular journey. It's actually a corporate journey. It's a group journey. And in the group journey, you have give and take. You've got engagement. You've got challenges. So why do you believe that? And and then we can have a conversation as to why you believe that. Mm. You have so there, there's accountability and, and exchanging views. And yeah. yeah, that accountability is absolutely right. It's important to be able to have those exchanges of views because you can go on a tangent and believe that you're actually perfectly aligned with God, and you're actually so far away 
that you have no idea what it is. <laughs> you know, we've got people like David Koresh and, and the Joneses, you know, and I mean, there's all these historical cases of individuals who have gone on a tangent because they believed in one person and they haven't taken the time to actually say, hey, wait a minute, what is the proper way of interpreting this? What's the hermeneutic, which is a Greek word just meaning consistent interpretation so that you don't fall off the cliff and, and injure yourself and injure other people as well. Mm. And that's important. So th- I think that's why you have to have this corporate unification. And the, the corporate identity also allows you to have a wealth of resources. On your own, it's very hard to do something that's going to change the world. But when you are together with a group of people who are interested in the community and what the community needs, well, that group of people has got a wealth of resources that they can actually exchange and gifts and time, and they're able to engage in the community in a way that has far more meaning and impact than if one person did it on their own. Oh, that makes a lot of sense, Terry. And uh, yeah, and thanks so much for, for your time today. Re- really, really appreciate it. So I guess if uh, people listening are thinking, hey, I'd, I like the sound of, of what you're talking about, Terry, I, I'd like to check this out. I guess not all our listeners are going to be in the Sydney region. But look, you know, listeners, if, if you're interested, just Google Adventist in Sydney or Adventist Australia or, you know, wherever you are in the world, you know, Adventist or Seventh-day Adventist, and you should be able to find your local sort of, you know, headquarters or, you know, re- regional um, headquarters and find out a, a, a local church that's close to you. If it's in Sydney, I'm sure, Terry, that you'd be lovely to see, uh, you'd be really happy to see uh, people uh, visiting uh, some of your congregations. Yeah, absolutely. And we're actually launching a new webpage that will have the churches, where they're located, how you can get there by bus, via train, via car, what the church actually offers and its engagement in the community and how you can connect with that, what languages they speak. And, and further to that, we'll be making the web page accessible. So anybody with issues of accessibility will be able to come to the web page and see it either with large letters or whatever you might be struggling with available. Because again, for us, it's all about the multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-issue that we as humans have, mm-hmm. because we want all to come together and, and journey with Jesus. Oh, that's fantastic. Thanks so much for your time, Terry. Really appreciate it. Thanks for being part of Signs of the Times Radio today. My pleasure, Kent. Thank you very much. Today's episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Signs of the Times magazine. A subscription is just $26 for 11 issues a year. To find out more, visit signsofthetimes.org.au. Signs of the Times has been published in Australia since 1886 and is proudly produced by Adventist Media. This is an Adventist Media podcast. 